Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. He's gonna kick the living 
scaring the crap out of me. I'm like, I'm literally going to get ambushed tonight. If it wasn't for you guys being there, I probably would have. I probably would have ran away into the nearest bar. But we just crossed the street. He ends up uh, riding away again. Thank God. I don't know what I would have done. I feel like I can't hit the guy if he comes up to me. It's self-defense, but at the same time, I still would have to go into questioning and all that stuff. Going, uh, we're right around the MLB winter meetings, right by the Hyatt. There's a Kansas City barbecue, which is a great joint, by the way. If you've never checked it out, Kansas Brisket City barbecue. fantastic. Uh, the chicken breast sandwich as well. No, we didn't awesome. need to say that at all. We didn't at all, but there's your free plug, Kansas City barbecue. Uh, right around that corner, and there he is again, following us, looking to pick a fight. And all of a sudden, we're like, all right, we need to go into Kansas City barbecue. Not even hungry. We're not looking for food, but we need a place in public where people can see so this guy doesn't just ambush us and tries to kill us because who knows what kind of weapons he had on him. Uh, so we hung out in there for like 20 minutes, finally leave. Uh, finally, he was gone, and that was the end of it. So we thought, because I saw him again this morning, I was walking downwards. He was walking upwards in downtown San Diego. Across the street, he saw me, and all of a sudden, he starts walking downwards, trying to meet me halfway. I'm like, oh, my God, there's people outside this. So I'm like, this guy's crazy. He's trying to kill me. So they helped me out, came to the convention center, came to the Hyatt, and uh, here we are, still alive, still in one piece. But that stuff's never fun. I thought San Diego was a really, really nice area. It's it is for the most part. Riding the scooters all week. Yeah, the Lime Scooters, another another uh, Payless plug right there. Great thing. We rode them last night. You rode it to perfection. I tried to ride it. <laughs> it was not very good. I, I hit a lot of speed bumps, especially when we had to go over the train tracks. That was not fun. Oh, yeah, the train tracks are a little tricky, but, you know, it's it, it's fun to get you around. But this is uh, one of the last days of the MLB Winter Meetings. It is for me. You'll be here for tomorrow for the final day. It's probably going to be a slow day. It was slow these past few days. I'd say Sunday and Monday were the two top days where everywhere you look, left, right, center, back, you just saw someone you've been watching on TV for your entire life. Yeah, you know, hopefully with a slower day, I might be able to grab someone for another interview. Uh, we'll see. What we got a few interviews for you on this show. Uh, Yankees beat writer Brian Hope got a chance to chat with him once again on the show. We had him on the show last year to talk about uh, uh, the upcoming season, the free agency of last year, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. This year, uh, got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes about Mission 27, his new book uh, about the 2009 Yankees World Series run. Uh, we'll have that in interview for you shortly. The first ever MLB uh, women's coach as well, Justine Siegel. Uh, you got a chance to interview her for a few minutes. How'd you enjoy that? I know it took you a while to find her in this big hotel. Yeah, yeah well, she said she was at the bar, and I didn't know which, which bar that was. There's a couple of them, so uh, I, I eventually found her, sat down with her. She was super nice, answered all my questions, so um, yeah, she's, she's a pioneer. And before we get to those interviews, going to chat up what's going on in day three, the MLB winter meetings. Of course, again, like we mentioned, Garrett Cole signing that record-breaking contract last night, $324 million. And today, of course, the news is going to be the next man up. And I think the next man up in free agency would be Anthony Rendon. And given Garrett Cole signed that... Another Scott Morris claim. Ah, man, the guy's making a filthy amount of money these days. Anthony Rendon schedule, I, I would say his deal was going to be well over 250 It's going to be well over 300 now after Garrett Cole's contract. Yeah, I think the market is a little bit different for pitchers and position players, but I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, actually, Anthony Rendon was worth more wins above replacement than both Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. So, I mean, you know, if someone wants to pay him a, a ridiculous amount of money, they absolutely have, um, you know, they, they shouldn't have any qualms about it because he's he had the best third base uh, season uh, in the 
major leagues this year, which pains me to say as a as a big Nolan Arenado fan. But you know, uh, he's a great player. He uh, offensively is one of the most valuable players in the league, top three in MVP voting this year. So if someone wants to shell out some big money for him, you know, by all means, I don't think it would be it would be bad as long as it's you know within reason. I think he's probably going to get a, a deal around six, seven years, something like that. And the other big thing, of course, you just mentioned his name, Nolan Arenado, being thrown around in trade rumors as well with uh, the Angels potentially. Yeah, a couple teams have called for, uh, called Jeff Breidich, GM of the Rockies, to check in on Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, um, and Charlie Blackman, Bob Nightingale, reported that some even called on um, Herman Marquez. So, you know, Great Arnado source, was, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was sarcasm. Um, yeah, I think Arnado was would be a huge target for anybody trying to fill a third base um, hole, which who has a bigger third base hole than the, the Los Angeles Angels? They just traded away Zachary Cozart. So uh, I think you know putting in one of the best infielders in, in the league along with the best outfielder in the league on the, on the same team, having Nolan and Trout bat back-to-back would be definitely a sight to see. Simmons and Arnado on the left side of the infield, and then back-to-back 3-4-2-3, however they put it, 1-2, Mike Trout and Nolan Arnado. not hit a ball through the left side of that infield. It's not like Boston, where they got Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. Another big name uh, uh, rumored to be in the Angels' sights, of course, starting pitcher David Price. Yeah, um, I think actually that one might be pretty interesting, because David Price had some not great performance numbers last year. His ERA was in the mid-fours. Um, he has a huge contract, one of the biggest con- Actually, he had the record for the biggest contract before Steven Strasburg signed his deal. So, you know, people thought that was an overpay for David Price considering how his performance has been. But, you know, some of the underlying numbers like uh, skill independence ERA as well as fielding independent pitching, those numbers have suggested that David Price was actually not that bad of a pitcher. He just got unlucky in some situations. So I think, you know, if, if the Angels want to trade for David Price, um, make the Red Sox eat some of that money. That would be an absolutely great, uh, a great idea for them because if, if you look at the Angels' rotation, it's less than ideal. I think their best pitcher is actually Shohei Otani, and their second best pitcher is Dylan Bundy. So uh, if you want to make the playoffs with uh, the best player in in the major leagues right now, Mike Trout, you're not going to deal with that kind of staff. So if you go out and grab someone like David Price, that gives you at least a better chance. To get not to there. say that they didn't try. They offered Garrett Cole uh, uh, over three hundred million dollar contract 300 plus it just of course wasn't good enough brian cashman told billy epler you got to be bigger than that well, I, 324 I, I don't think it was even the money i think it was um it was the years the angels and dodgers only offered him eight years for around 300 million the yankees were the only team willing to go nine years we'll see if it pays off again i'm a little optimistic a little skeptical i'm a little nervous but i'm excited because now you got garrett cole luis severino tanaka paxton montgomery herman hap We'll see if Hap sticks around. Loisaga's coming up the pipe. Jonathan Loisaga, not lasagna, like you mentioned earlier. But uh, speaking of the Red Sox, though, looking to trade away David Price and that salary, are they looking to clean house now? Like, what's the plan with the Red Sox? Because, again, the, the, the goal is to... I necessarily think it's a, it's a rebuild, but they, they have a lot of, you know, cap... Their man, their trade, their their farm system is not great right now, and they have a lot of cap troubles with the signing of Rosny Castillo a couple years ago. Just, just uh, tanking that, <laughs> that you know, 
that $17 million or whatever he's, he's getting paid to produce nothing for them. Um, obviously, they have the big contract with David Price. I, I don't necessarily think they're looking to clean house. They didn't make the playoffs this year. I just think they're they're trying to get out of mediocrity without going into a full rebuild because they still have Mookie Betts. They still have Andrew Benintendi. Um, Devers and Bogarts look like they're developing really nicely. So I, I don't know. It just depends on um, it just depends on you know what what their new general manager or president of baseball operations decides to what direction he decides to go. I don't think they're going to go into a and rebuild. the AL. It, I mean, it's a little up and down, a little wishy washy for Boston because they're in a division where the Blue Jays aren't going anywhere right now. They do have a lot of young talent. The the Biggios and the Bichettes and the Guerreros. That's your one, two, three right there. But of course the Rays, of course, 96 wins last year, 90 wins the year before, but they're still not quite there on the next level yet. I think the, the Rays were, are going to be a perennial wild card team. I mean, they look how how young their players are. They, they have um, uh, Tyler Glass, what is it, Tyler Glasgow down? Glass now, yes. Glass now, yeah. I, I, it's okay. I always confu- I it's always okay. You can make letter. mistakes yeah, here. No, Ty- <laughs> Tyler Glasnow, he's he's a fantastic pitcher. They they fleeced him from uh, the Pirates in that Chris Archer deal. Um, Blake Snell's still really good. He's had a down year. I think he has some uh, some area to bounce back. Um, they have a couple of young guys that are that are coming up the pipeline. That two way guy that pitches and plays first base for them. Um, you know they have. Uh, it's really hard to name players on the Rays. I mean, they 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 keep a low profile. Their best hitter is Austin Meadows, and you know, no one no one really heard of him before this year. Um, so they have Kevin Kiermaier roaming center field. So they're, they're a good team. They're going to stick around as as a perennial wild card team. They're probably going to win 90 games every year for the next you know for the foreseeable future. But are they good enough to get to that next level? Well, the, the problem with with them trying to get to that next level is they don't have they don't spend money. They uh, I think their entire cap last year was 68 million dollars, which is less than twice of what the Yankees are paying Garrett Cole per year. You, you think about it this way. The Yankees are paying Garrett Cole $36 million a year when the entire payroll of the Tampa Bay Rays is $68 million a year. That's not much more. So, I mean, the Rays don't pay a lot of money, uh, but they build consistently good teams um, with really good value. But I don't think they have the, the money to go to that next And beyond level. that point, it's the Rays, it's the Blue Jays, it's Boston, and then you got the Baltimore Orioles who are going to win more than 45 games again for the third year in a row. This is the Yankees' division. It, it was their division this year. It's going to be their division by far next year. Uh, World Series favorites? We'll see. I'm still kind of skeptical about this entire thing. Garrett Cole could easily just fall off the train tracks. Uh, I don't know. I disagree. I know you do. He's going to be a side. He's nervous. $324 millions on one guy. I'm a little skeptical. But ski- I think he might. I, I call him winning the Cy Young. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't think there's going to be anybody that's going to be particularly close. Uh, Verlander is fantastic, but I don't see him putting up the same numbers that he did this year. All of the underlying numbers, you look at K through, uh, or K per nine, you look at fielding independent pitching, you look at expected weighted on base average, you look at all those numbers, and it, it, all the results say Garrett Cole misses the most bat, the, misses the most bats. Nobody hits Garrett Cole. And nobody gets contact on Gary Cole. Uh, and he's the best pitcher. He's the most effective. And he's 29 years old. Well, we'll see how it how it matches. Speaking of pitchers, though, you mentioned it today. You're a little uh, envious of the Los Angeles Dodgers signing Blake Trine into a one-year deal worth $10 million. you think that was a good pickup for them? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, he had that incredible 2018 year where he posted an 078. Yeah. And last right? year was a little shaky, though. Well, last year was shaky, but I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that was, I think it was just a, a down year. I think he I think he had an injury. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, you know, coming back from that kind of threw him off, but he still has the same stuff. His sinker is still unhittable. Uh, I think he, he can come back and yeah, a little starstruck there. Scott Boris just walking by us. But yeah, Blake Trident again, 2018, like you mentioned, great year last year. A little bit of a bugaboo, had a few injuries to deal with. His arm wasn't quite as strong. We'll see if the change of scenery helps him out in any way. You want to get to one of our interviews? Go see Scott Boris for a second. Yeah. And let's talk to Yankees beat writer Brian Hoke here on the Osho. But first, a quick word from TickPick. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. Operating, but I remember 
uh, walking around the warning track with the fans before the game, and uh, fans were kind of, they were all, they, seven hours before the game, fans were allowed to come in and, and walk the warning track, and I saw people crying and taking pictures with their click cameras up against like the 408 sign in center field or 314 in right field and rubbing their hands in the dirt and uh, putting their handprints on the wall in right field and it was it was just kind of uh, you were saying goodbye to a friend in a place that, that was so special in, in so many people's minds and um, yeah, I, I remember seeing guys bending over and pretending to tie their shoe so they could uh, scoop some dirt into their shoe and then they brought home some of it the Yankee Stadium warning track. So um, the game, I honestly don't remember much of. You know, it, I'm working on a book right now, which is about the Yankees 10 years after the 09 World Series. So a big part of that is moving from the old stadium to the new one. So I've kind of gone back and read a lot of the stuff from that time. And, um, you know, I, I know that the, the Yankees beat the Orioles 7-3 and Jose Molina hit the last home run and Brian Roberts grounded out to first base for the final out. So I've kind of refreshed my memory on a lot of that. But what I remember most about that day was walking around the ballpark. I, it was probably like 5 o'clock. And I said, I'm not going to get this opportunity again. So I left the ballpark. Uh, you know, we had been done. We talked to the players or whatever we did. And um, I walked out of the press gate and I decided I'm going to do one full lap of the ballpark around and just kind of take this all in because this, there's never going to be another game here. And so, you know, just kind of seeing the fans and taking in the smells of the hot dogs and the sausage. And, um, you know, I, I remember Harlan Chamberlain, it was Java's dad, was like shaking hands and signing autographs out behind the left field wall. And, uh, and the ticket scalpers were trying to sell for exorbitant amounts of money and people were, you know, um, trying to get that. And I remember that the, the stadium organ, you could hear it from uh, outside the ballpark on the right field side. And so that was cool to just kind of take that lap around the block and think about all the people who had been there before. And, um, you know, I mean, it's generation to generation. Gosh, Babe Ruth played in that building, not the exact same building, but uh, close enough to that patch of land. Luke Gehrig played there. Uh, Mantle, DiMaggio, just the Yogi Berra. That was uh, that was a really cool night. Um, I think that uh, Jeter's speech still stands out to me as one of the best of all time. The fact that he did that off the cuff and hit all the right notes, um, they, they, I think he nailed it. And yeah, just uh, thinking about that night, I finished writing whatever I wrote. Um, and, you know, I remember writing seven, eight, nine stories for Yankees.com that night. Um, finally went down to the field and a buddy of mine, Pete Caldera, who covers the Yankees for the Bergen record, we went down together and um, we, first thing we did was we took a couple coffee cups and we scooped up some dirt from home plate and filled those up and, um, and then I said, I noticed some of the employees were playing catch out on the field and I said, hey, you know, I got gloves out in my car and so I ran out to the, the press parking lot, which was at the time the same as the player parking lot. They don't let us park with the players anymore, but at the time you could and so I ran out, got my glove and, and we played catch down uh, the first baseline, which was really, really cool and I put a couple off the mound and um, yeah, just a really special night there at Yankee Stadium. I remember walking out at 3.30 in the morning and thinking I wish I didn't have to leave. 
And of course, Mission 27, I got the book in my hand right here. I'll tell the audience what this book is about. It's been out for a few months now. The culmination of the 2009 World Series champion, New York Yankees. They go to the new house after the old stadium gets torn down. Uh, new team, new faces, Nick Swisher, CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, new faces brought in to change the, uh, the chemistry in that locker room. Tell me a little bit about the book. We have got everybody from top to bottom, from your A-Rod and from the Corey Pitana and Pettit and, you know, Joe Girardi to uh, the, the strength and conditioning coach and the, the PA announcer. And, I mean, we have gone top to bottom to the broadcasters. I mean, gosh, I mean, I, I, I don't know an exact number of how many people we've interviewed, but it's got to be more than 100. So, I mean, we have been just talking to everybody who was had any connection to that 2019 because it was such a special time in, in Yankee history, as I mentioned, you know, going from the old stadium to the new one. And, um, they, they spent all this money on Sabathia and A.J. Burnett and Nick Swisher. And, well, they traded for Swisher, but uh, Mark Teixeira and, and bringing in these big names and um, just uh, a lot of cool stories to tell. I'm not going to give them away. You'll have to wait for the blow say there's uh, – there's definitely some stuff in there that uh, you'll say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that was happening. I, I had no idea. And so it's been cool to catch up 10 years later. I feel like um, that was a fun team. That was a loose team with Johnny Damon and Swisher and, um, you know, A.J. Burnett with the pies. I mean, that was something we hadn't seen in the in Yankee years gone by. You know, I, I remember I, I covered Tories last year as, as manager. So um, I remember what that felt like. And then I remember what 09 felt like. And it was just night and day. This was a team that came to the ballpark. They they knew they were going to have fun. They had fun. They were going to kick your ass because they knew that you were good, and they had fun doing it. And um, and they 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 followed through. They were put together to, to win a World Series, uh, to honor George Steinbrenner in that final year, and open the new ballpark. And, and they did what they were supposed to do, and, and beat the uh, the Phillies in that six game World Series. So um, yeah, it's been really cool to kind of open up the history books and. You know, as I'm reading stuff that I wrote in 2009, it's like I've forgotten half of it, too. So I'm reading it for the first time as well, even though I was the one that wrote it. So it's really cool to kind of open that up and um, kind of revisit that time. Because now that you look back nine, ten years later, you, you start to get a sense of how special it was. Um, when it was happening, you're just kind of trying to keep your head above water. And you're, uh, you're, you're just kind of going day by day, trying not to... Not to mess it up, but now you look back and you know you know the ending. Um, you know at the end of the book the Yankees are going to win the World Series, but it's how they got there that was really cool. And um, like I said, uh, these guys have told a lot of really good stories. And uh, I mean, it, you could tell it was just a group that genuinely enjoyed being around each other. It helped that they won a lot, but I, I think they really liked each other's company as well. I thought there were a ton of great stories, a ton of great memories that you could uh, relive in this book. The biggest thing to me, though, A.J. Burnett with the pies, man. I mean, I, I, I told you last time I did that uh, with my brother in my backyard when I was a nine-year-old kid. Well, I will tell you one thing. There was one game where um, I, I guess for some reason they had run out of whipped cream or uh, A.J. forgot to tell the guy. They, they had a can of whipped cream they eventually because they had 15 walk-offs that year. And so they A.J. told the clubhouse guy, you got to always have whipped cream ready because we're doing this all the time and you got to have it right in the refrigerator outside the clubhouse um so he runs down there it's, it's a game where nick swisher gets a walk off i think it was in early september and aj runs down there and uh, the shaving is the whipped cream is gone and so 
I guess for some reason they're out of whipped cream for the day. He runs into the bathroom. He goes and gets some uh, Barbasol shaving cream. He, he puts it in the, the towel, and he runs up behind Swisher. And Swisher's talking to Kim on the field. And AJ gets in his ear really quick. While he's still running up the stairs, he says, close your eyes. It's shaving cream. Swisher said, all right, man, whatever, bro. Like, do it, do it. And uh, so, yeah, if you look at that picture uh, of Swisher, and there's this great shot of him. He turns around to the fans, and he's kind of like got his hand, he's got his fist up, and he's flexing his muscles. And so that's shaving cream on his face. So kind of cool stuff like that to just tell stories that we didn't get to in 2009 or that maybe got overlooked. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a fun read for anybody who was the fan of the Yankees at that time. That was New York Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com, Brian Hoke. And, of course, Cade, you got to interview the first ever women's MLB coach for the Oakland Athletics, Justine Seagal. Let's talk to Justine right now. So the Knicks, the New York Knicks just fired their head coach. And one of the candidates that replaced him is a woman named Becky Hammond. Something that's interesting in basketball is that they have the WNBA, and that causes a lot of um, women to be noticed and um, you know, more respected in terms of their coaching ability um, at, inter- at the NBA level. So when we look at the MLB and seeing that there isn't a professional women's baseball league, what, um, what path do you see that, that women can take to overcome this obstacle?
baseball background, plus just, you know, a hell of a lot of intangible skills like determination and passion that players really admire. I think that's that's I would have said yes two weeks ago, but now that we know that at least two women who are getting coaching jobs this summer, it's like the wall's broken. So for me, on all these years, 2009 to now, it's I've been like chipping at the wall, I'm like look, we can do it, like just push it. But now the wall's been broken. So um, it's actually a pretty exciting time if you want to become a coach and, and you know go out there, get qualified, work work with colleges.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.